Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good afternoon. So um, now I know why I think this is maybe a shorter message. Uh, famous last words, right? I'll ke- I won't keep you past three, I promise. Um, Angela did an amazing job last week. It was awesome. Powerful word. So good. So good. Um, and I do have a few funny things for you this morning. So this is um, real test answers from kids. These are actual test answers from kids. So here's, here's uh, some of these answers. I thought this, this made me laugh. I actually had different jokes, and then I found this, and I was like, whoa, this is more funny than my first jokes. So these are real test answers from, from little kids. Okay, so here's the question. What ended in 1896? Answer, 1895. <laughs> They're not wrong, yeah. <laughs> it's very creative. I would, I would mark that correct. <laughs> Okay, how would you, here's a question. How would you make a marriage work? No idea why they're asking a, a child this. How would you make a marriage work? Answer, tell your wife she looks pretty, even if she looks like a dump truck. <laughs> question, where was the Declaration of Independence signed? Answer, at the bottom. It's not, it's not wrong. It is true. <laughs> Question, Miranda can't see anything when she looks down her microscope. Suggest one reason why not. Answer, she is blind. <laughs> the, the teacher actually wrote, nice try. <laughs> Question, I earn money at home by blank. Answer, I don't. I am a freeloader. <laughs> Question, why are there rings on Saturn? Answer, because God liked it, so he put a ring on it. <laughs> Question, name six animals which live specifically in the Arctic. Answer, two polar bears and four seals. That would be my answer. <laughs> it's very creative. It's not, it's not wrong. Okay, and the last thing. Uh, this is a letter. This is a real letter. I got to see the actual letter. It was really funny. A third grader wrote this letter to his teacher after he was told she was sick. Dear Mrs. Clark, I hope that, or, or I heard that you did not feel well. Well, when that happens, here's a trick to learn. Just go poop. I am not kidding. It works with me every morning I feel bad. So just remember, when you feel bad, the first thing to do is poop. (laughs) Sound advice, I think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to just um, crash into this place. We know that you've already done that, but we just pray that each heart just gets ministered to today, that you're speaking to each heart. We just open up ourselves to hear from you. I pray for an anointing on all that is said, and that this would just have the Holy Spirit's anointing on it, that it would touch hearts, God, that we're not just here today to just check a box of saying we went to church, but that we're actually 
entering into what you're doing on the earth and that we're actually excited to be a part of what you're doing in our lives and in this church and in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have a, a word. As I was preparing this message, I felt like the, the Lord gave me a word for our church. So here's the word. I want to bring my church into wholeness. I want to restore everything that the enemy has stole from you. In me, you shall not lack for any good thing. Dare to hope again, for I'm doing a new thing in this season. How many received that this morning? We're going to start in John chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 14. We do have it for the screens. Verse 14, this is Jesus speaking. He says, And just as Moses lifted, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So one of the most fascinating things for me about reading the Old Testament is seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. How many know that Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament? He was there in the beginning, and he's there throughout. You see him in various symbols and various stories, and he's all throughout the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite things about when I'm reading the Old Testament is to find Jesus, because he's all over the place in the Old Testament. And so there's, there's this bizarre story in the book of Numbers that Jesus is referring to here. And in this story, the Israelites had, had been disobedient again. And these snakes start coming into the camp. And these snakes are biting the Israelites, making them sick. So Moses goes to God and he says, God, what do we do about the snakes? So God answers them and he gives them this unusual instruction. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a bronze snake, put it on a pole, take this pole put it in the middle of the camp, and when those who are sick come and they look at the snake, the serpent on the pole, they're going to be healed. Literally, the poison will get removed from their bodies when they just look at the snake. And so Jesus is referring to that story, and he says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So why would Jesus be represented as a serpent? I mean, snakes are evil. I hate snakes. I, I think they're evil to, to, like, with every part of me, I, I hate snakes. About a year ago, I was walking my dog, and I had earbuds in, and it was at night. I always walk the dog at night, and I'm listening to music. I'm walking the dog, and all of a sudden, I hear, like, sounded like, super loud like cicadas or something. I was like, what is going on? So I pull out my earbud and I hear the rattle of a rattlesnake and he's right next to me. I'm on the sidewalk and he's right there. And I, my heart just went to 120 miles an hour immediately and I jumped and I pulled my little dog away and I just had this violent reaction where I was like, I, I got to kill this thing. He's in my neighborhood. I gotta, he's dead. And I was like trying to figure out like, where do I put my dog? Because I don't want my little dog to get, and so I'm trying to fine, I'm going to try to tie this around a tree or something so I can kill this and get a rock. And like, so my plan was to like get a rock. And, and by the time I got my dog secure and got a rock, he was gone. And so I missed it. But I hate snakes. So why would Jesus, our Savior, be represented as an, a nasty, disgusting snake? He says, just 
as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, we know from the very beginning of, of, the, book of the Bible in Genesis, we know that God cursed the serpent. He cursed the snake. And how many know that Jesus Christ became a curse for us on the cross? The Bible talks about cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus became a curse for us and went to the cross. And so Jesus said, just like that snake was on that pole, I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. And when people looked at the snake on the pole, all the poison was sucked out of their body. And when we look to Jesus on the cross, how many know he takes the poison out of our life? And this is not just when we get saved. Yes, that's, that's a huge part of what Jesus did for us. So when we got saved, he took poison out of our life. But in every area, when we look to Jesus, he's removing the poison out of our life. Why was Jesus crucified? So that we can look to him and the poison will be taken out, out of our lives. So when we look to Jesus, all the poison is removed from us. And I'm talking about wholeness. Wholeness, like he wants us to be whole in every area. He wants the poison taken out of every single area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. To this day, You'll see a symbol, this symbol in most medical offices. I have it, uh, that picture I gave you guys for the screens. This is actually from that story. How many have seen, the, we've all seen this symbol, right? This comes from that story in Numbers where God said, put a snake on the pole, put it in the camp, and when they look to it, they'll be healed. This became a symbol of, of healing and health. That's why we see it in doctor's offices. So when we look to Jesus, the poison is removed. And how many know that what Jesus did on the cross did so much, it did so much more for us than just get us to heaven? In Isaiah 61, it's referring to Jesus, and it says this, He came to bind up the brokenhearted. He wants to take the broken pieces of our life. You can be saved, and you can have brokenness. Even after you're saved and you're going to heaven. And he says, I, come, I came to bind up the brokenhearted. He wants to take those broken areas in our life and bring health and restoration and remove the poison from those areas. He said, I came to proclaim freedom for the captives. Every area of your life where you don't have freedom, where you're held captive, maybe by lies of the enemy, maybe by strongholds in your life. He's like, I came so that you could have freedom in those areas. He came to release prisoners from darkness. He wants to remove every dark place in our life. He came to comfort all who mourn. And he came to provide for those who grieve. Do you see how Jesus came for so much more than just to get you out of hell and into heaven? Wholeness. Jesus' desire for you is wholeness, that you would walk in wholeness in every area of your life. Let's keep reading in John chapter 3. So in verse 14, Jesus said, 
just as the serpent, or Moses lifted up the serpent, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. In verse 15, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his Son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Now, that word saved is the Greek word sozo. Sozo means saved, healed, delivered, made whole. So literally what that verse is saying is God wants to sozo the world through his son, Jesus Christ. So that the whole world might be sozo through him, made whole, delivered, healed. Here's some further definitions of that Greek word sozo, to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction or from injury or peril, to save a suffering one from perishing, i.e., one suffering from disease, to make well, heal, restore to health, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, to save or rescue. We've been saved from judgment. We've been saved from our sins. We've been saved from sickness and disease. We've been saved from emotional distress and turmoil. We've been completely made whole, mind, body, and spirit. And there is complete freedom for every area of your life in Christ. This is what Jesus paid for. This is what Jesus paid for. There is complete freedom. We so often can reduce what happened when we said yes to Jesus to this gets me into heaven when it's so much more than that. Then we have the word shalom. Shalom. My dad's so funny. He'll call and leave messages on my phone and he'll, he'll say, hello, son. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. And he's just like, and so I'll get text messages from him. Shabbat shalom, son. And how many know shalom doesn't just mean peace? Yes, it means peace, but it's so much more than that. Shalom means wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. Wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. So today I want to talk to you about wholeness, the healing of the body, the healing of the soul, and the healing of the spirit. This is what we're after as Christians is wholeness. It's the fullness of what Jesus Christ paid for. And as children of God, we really should accept no less than complete wholeness, completeness in our life, complete sozo in our life, complete shalom in our life. And we expect that as we look to Jesus, we live in expectation that he's removing the poison from our life. I love Brianna started this morning with, with expectation. And that was like the Holy Spirit was all over that. It's like we want to live in expectation every day that Jesus is removing the poison from our life in all the areas. He wants to remove the poison 
out of your marriage. He wants to remove the poison from those areas that you struggle in. He wants to remove the poison from your relationships. He wants to remove the poison from your body and your physical body and restore you to health. My wife was supernaturally healed 10 years ago. That's why we started this church, or that's a big catalyst to us why we started it. I was supernaturally healed about seven or eight years ago now in my back, and God wants to remove the poison. If you're struggling in your, in your body, in your physical body, I don't care if it's been for five years, 15 years, 30 years, God's desire for you and what Jesus paid for is he wants to remove that from you and restore you to complete health. He wants to remove the poison of emotional torment. He wants to remove the poison that causes our minds to be troubled. He wants to remove the poison that blocks our communication with one another. The poison that's kept us in bondage and on and on and on and on. This is what sozo is. This is what shalom is. This is your mission with Jesus, should you accept it. Wholeness. Mind, body, spirit. Wholeness. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Spirit, soul, and body. Wholeness. The devil knows he can't take your salvation, but he's working like crazy to keep you and I from coming into wholeness. His tool is lies. He tries to get us to believe his lies that keep us from coming into wholeness. The enemy knows a church that has come into wholeness is going to kick his butt. So he is, he is a, he's terrified. He's terrified of a, a church, even a smaller church like us, coming together, working on just Jesus, I, I want to contend for everything that you paid for on the cross. And we bond together as a community, and we're like, hey, let's bond together, and let's go after more. More of his presence, more breakthrough in marriages, more breakthrough in relationship. Let's, let's go after more. Let's contend together. Because he knows that a church like that, or even an individual like that, is going to kick his butt. He's terrified. It's okay to say button, church. <laughs> this is the vision of this church to help people come into wholeness. Our church vision on our website says this to awaken and empower God's church to impact our culture. Connecting people to God's love, grace, and to their true identity in Christ, i.e., bringing the church into wholeness so that we can have an impact on our world. Bringing the church into wholeness so that we can have an impact on our world. Proverbs 29 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Vision is so important. How many know we need to have a vision for our life? And you need to have a vision in your life for wholeness. And you need to have a vision in your marriage for wholeness. 
You need to have a vision in your relationships for wholeness. You need to have a vision for the things that you struggle with. You need to imagine and have a vision for wholeness in that area. The enemy wants you to get stuck in that place and give up. God is going after hopelessness today. God wants to break every area that we've came into hopelessness and we've partnered with hopelessness. He wants to break the hopelessness off your life and give you a vision for more. And the vision is this, that we believe that when we look to Jesus, the poison of that area of our life that's infected, that doesn't look like Jesus, is going to be removed. And it may be a process. It may not happen instantly. But we need to hold on to hope and on to faith that this is, going, this is what Jesus paid for. And I'm contending for it. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to go into hopelessness. I'm going to actually believe that what Jesus did for me was enough. It was enough for me to have freedom in every area of my life. This is what it means to be a powerful Christian. This, isn't, this church isn't about just coming on Sunday and we can enter into the presence and that's all good and, and socialize a little bit, but it's like we are actually coming together as a community of believers expecting and contending that we're going to grow, that we're going to go farther than where our parents went. We're not going to stay in the same place, but that we're actually drawing closer to Jesus, becoming more like him, and we're taking those hopeless places to him again and again and again. Jesus, I needed to take the poison out of my life in this area. We need to have a vision for wholeness. We don't want to settle for less than what Jesus paid for. What a precious sacrifice that Jesus paid, or the price that he paid for us. And obviously, we don't want to take that for granted, but we also don't want to cheapen what he did by just staying where we're at. But to go for more and say, no, Jesus, you paid for wholeness. You paid for sozo. You paid for shalom. So have we settled for less in our life? Have we settled for less than wholeness in our marriages? Have we settled in the area of emotional health? Well, I'm constantly anxious, but I guess this is just normal. No, it's not. It's not the wholeness that God has for you. It's not the shalom that God has for you. Have you settled in the areas of personal struggle? Have you settled in the areas of sickness in your body? Have you given up hope in that area? Well, I guess I'm just bound to suffer with this thing forever. That's not what Jesus paid for. No shame on anybody. But this is, a, this is to encourage you to not settle for what's not the fullness of what Jesus paid for. Have you settled with living in fear? Living with a survival mentality? I know there's a lot going on in our world right now. This is like unprecedented times in many ways, certainly in our lifetime. But are we preparing to survive out of fear or are we preparing to thrive in faith? I'm preparing to thrive in faith. Because God's never in fear. So yes, there's absolutely, I love what Pastor Joy shared this morning. We have responsibility. We have things that we need to do and we need to stand for. But we do it all in faith. Amen.
Colossians 2.10 says this, and in him you have been made complete. So here's what the Greek word translated to complete means. To make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, to cause, to abound, to furnish or supply liberally. I like that one. Abounding and liberally supplied, to render full, to complete, to fill to the top, so that nothing shall be wanting, to full measure, fill to the brim, to make complete, to render perfect. And in him you have been made complete. Did you know that you are liberally supplied for everything that you need? Yay. <laughs> You've been liberally supplied for everything that you need. So why does it not line up sometimes? Why are there areas in my life where I'm like, God, I do not feel liberally supplied in this area? And sometimes we don't know. We're like, why, why is this dysfunctional? Why is this not working the way that Jesus paid for? But we have to make a decision. We're either going to live out of like, well, my experience is this hasn't worked. And just we go into this kind of complacency or this hopelessness. So we have a decision to either go there or we're to say, God, I don't know why this is not working. But I'm going to contend for this thing. And I'm going to stand on your word that you paid for wholeness. Amen? No judgment on anyone. I'm sure there's pl been plenty of times where I've been in that hopeless place. I'm like, God, why is this thing not working? This has been years. But we have to eventually make that decision. Those, those things are normal, by the way. Those thoughts are normal. Like, no shame for anybody here today. But when we have those thoughts, that's, that's like a fork in the road. It's time to make a decision. Okay, I'm going to live out of my experience, my past experience, or I'm going to contend for what Jesus said is available. Amen. I want to talk about David this morning in closing. Ziklag. This story is found in 1 Samuel 30. And it's interesting. I love the message translation, but I don't read it as much as I used to. I used to read it just like, especially the Old Testament stories. I love how he just kind of wrote it. Like you feel like you're reading a novel when you're reading the Old Testament stories. And so I was just processing 1 Samuel 30 with the Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, read it in the message. So I'm going to read this to you in the message this morning. So the context here is, David is on the outs with Saul. Saul's hunting him. Saul wants to kill him. And this is just a crazy part of this story is that the Philistines have given David a village to live in. And this is after Goliath. This is like David has absolutely devastated the Philistines. Like when David goes against the Philistines, it's, it's like carnage. And they're just absolutely just destroyed when he goes against them. So they hear that he's on the outs with Saul, and they're trying to, like, oh, make nice with him, basically. They're like, okay, maybe this is our chance to, like, get him on our side so he'll stop, like, kicking our butts. So they give him a whole city. They give him a city called Ziklag, and him and his 600 men and all their wives and children are living in the city. 
So David and his men are gone for three days, and they come back, and in the distance, they can see smoke coming up from the city. The city's been burned. It's been destroyed. And they come into this place where they don't really know what to expect. So this is, this is where we'll pick it up. 1 Samuel 30. Three days later, later, David and his men arrived back in Ziklag. Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They tore Ziklag to pieces and then burned it down. They captured all the women, young and old. They didn't kill anyone, but they drove them like a herd of cattle. By the time David and his men entered the village, it had been burned to the ground, and their wives, sons, and daughters all taken prisoner. So I want to prophesy this over you this morning. There, are, there may be things missing in your life, dreams unfulfilled, problems unsolved, and the enemy may have convinced you that those things are dead, but the Lord says they are not dead. They've, been just, they've just been taken captive. Those things are not dead. They've just been taken captive. Let's keep on reading in the story. Verse 4, David and his men burst out in loud wails. They wept and wept until they were exhausted with weeping. David's two wives, uh, Hinoam and Abigail, widow of Nabal of Carmel, had been taken prisoner along with the rest. And suddenly David was in even more trouble because there was talk among the men, bitter over the loss of their families, of stoning him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He ordered Abiathar the, the priest, bring me the ephod so I can consult God. Abiathar brought it to David. Then David prayed and said, shall I go after these raiders? Can I catch them? The answer came, go after them. Yes, you'll, you will catch them. Yes, you will Make the rescue. In some translations, it says, you will recover all. David, pursue. Go after them. You will recover all. You will make the rescue. So in those areas in your life that maybe have been hopeless, I feel like the word of the Lord for you today is pursue, pursue, pursue. You will recover all. Pursue. Amen. David, verse 9, David went, he and the 600 men with him. They arrived at the brook Besser, where some of them dropped out. David and 400 men kept up the pursuit, but 200 of them were too fatigued to cross the brook Besser and stayed there. Now, what I'm about to share, I've never seen before in this passage until this past week. 200 of 600, 200 out of 600 of the men stayed, stayed behind at the Brook Besser. How tired would you have to be to give up on the pursuit of rescuing your wife and your children? But 200 men, one-third of the army, stayed behind. They said, we're too tired. We're too fatigued. We're going to stay right here at this little brook. And 400 men went on. And that was probably a big deal to David. I was like, okay, I just lost a third of my troops. Like, we're trying to, we're going, this is like our wives and our children. But I just lost a third of my army. 
there are moments in our lives where we just want to give up. We want to stop believing for more, stop believing for breakthrough. You know, Besser was not even a river. It was a brook, just a little trickle of life, just, just a little bit of life. And it's like they settled for like, okay, there's water here. There's a little bit of life, and I'm going to stay here where there's life rather than press on to recover what God has told us already. Like David was in a similar situation as we're in right now. Is like I'm telling you as your pastor, pursue. God has more. Go after it. God had told David, you will recover all. The men knew this. Okay, God, the word of the Lord is we're going to recover all. But 200 men get stuck at the little brook where there's just a tiny trickle of life. Don't stop at the brook Besser and become satisfied with the trickle. Don't settle for less because God has complete wholeness for you. Get this, Besser how many know that every symbol in the Bible, every word, every term, it all has meaning? Like God didn't waste anything. Like the Bible is like an ocean of like revelation and symbols that are powerful. And that's why every time we read a passage or a scripture, we can get something new. So this is what Besser means. Cold or in the flesh. So maybe things haven't happened in our life. Maybe things haven't happened in our timeline and our hearts have become cold. Cold towards God and we get in the flesh of wanting an easy out and we miss out on the wholeness that God has for us. We get stuck at the brook where there's a little bit of life here. At least there's a trickle. I don't know what's out there. That's scary, but there's a trickle of life here. And we get stuck there. I want to tell you this morning, don't get stuck at the Brook Besser. This place means cold and in the flesh. Don't park there. You know, those 200 men didn't get the satisfaction of seeing the victory. You imagine this, those 200 men didn't get to take part in the recovery of their wives and their children. There may have been, or there definitely was, wives and children there, like, so excited to be rescued, but they're like, where's, where's my husband or where's dad? They didn't get to take part in the victory because they were content with just the trickle, the Brook Besser. Let's keep reading. David and the other 400 men finally caught up to the Amalekites. Verse 17, David pounced. He fought them from before sunrise until evening the next day. None got away except for 400 of the younger men who escaped by riding off on camels. David rescued everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing and no one was missing. Young or old, son or daughter, plunder or whatever, David recovered the whole lot. I think that's one of the reasons God had me read it in the message because that word stuck out. I already had in my heart, I'm like, wholeness, wholeness, wholeness in that word. David recovered the whole lot. Wholeness was restored to him. Some translations say David recovered all. 
God wants to bring you into wholeness. Don't become satisfied with less than all that Jesus paid for you on the cross. God wants us to pursue more. It's an act of faith. And be like, God, I don't want to stay here. I'm satisfied. Maybe I'm, there's a little bit of life here. But God's saying, no, I want you to press into wholeness. And just to have this heart posture, it's what Brianna started the day with, expectation. Our heart posture of expectation. No, no, God, you have more for me. I don't, I don't care how many years that you've lived in this place where you're not seeing wholeness. It's an act of faith to say, God, I want to contend for more. I'm not going to park at the Brook Besser and grow cold. Amen. Would you just bow your heads? Jesus, I pray that today is the day where we leave the brook Besser and we decide to go after complete wholeness in our life. The completeness that you paid for in the cross, Jesus. Today is the day that we make the decision to hope again. Today's the day where we decide to schedule the marriage counseling, schedule the sozo, or open up to someone about what we've been struggling with in our life, or pick that dream back up that we've laid down and we've went into hopelessness in. Pray for courage, God, courage in our hearts to not settle, courage to go for more, courage to pursue, pursue, pursue. And I feel like that's the word of the Lord for you today. Pursue. You will recover all. Pursue. Don't give up in this area. You know, the Lord has so much compassion for where you're at. And it's not a condemning word like today. I hope none of this sounded like condemnation. It's not a condemning word, but it's like the loving voice of a father saying, pursue. I have more for you. Don't stay there. I have so much more for you. Pursue, 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 pursue. Pursue. Pursue all that I paid for. I paid for so much more than what you're living in. Pursue. You will recover all. Help us, Lord. I just pray for the just a spirit of hopefulness to rise up and a spirit of victory. That we start to get the spirit of victory even before the victory. We just know this is this is who I am. I have the spirit of victory on my life to contend for breakthrough and to see the victory. Amen. Amen.